Chica, host of Practical Torah, a show of Rebirth Radio. Each week we will reflect on the Torah reading, pulling out inspiration and wisdom for our everyday lives. This week's Torah reading is from Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, to Genesis chapter 17, verse 27, and is entitled Lech Lechi, which is Hebrew for Go Forth. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3 state, Now Yah said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. According to author Donald Matthews, eventually Yah saw that humans needed more help in living in a just and loving world. And so he chose a man named Abraham and his descendants to carry Yah's secrets. Abraham was a man of faith. He was from the region of the world between the plains of Africa, Asia, and Europe. He was called by Yah and was willing to obey the word and will of Yah no matter how high the price. Any study of the people of the scriptures has to begin with the patriarch Abraham, who with his wife Sarah are considered the parents of the Hebrew nation, and with Hagar, as he is also considered the father of the Ishmaelites. The literal meaning of Abraham is father of many nations, or father of a multitude, found in Genesis chapter 17, verse 5. According to biblical anthropologist Alice Lindsley, Abraham was indeed the father of many, since he had many children. As Abraham and his people were Cushites, or Nilotic origin, we call them Africans. It is evident that he was not a white European. He was a descendant of Ham and Cush through Nimrod, and he resided most of his life in Egypt, Cana, and Arabia. Abraham was also a descendant of Shem, But since the lines of Ham and Shem exclusively intermarried, their descendants would have had similar skin tone. Abraham also belonged to the royal priestly class of Horrorites, among whom there were red, black, and olive complexions. The Hebrew form of Abraham is Abraham, a variant of the name Abram, which means high father, indicating a man of high caste, a fact recognized by the Hittites who referred to Abraham as a prince among us when he approached them about buying land to bury Sarah, Genesis 23.6. The most likely explanation for the name Abraham is the most obvious. Ham in Arabic means burnt. Abraham means burnt father and refers to his skin color. The Nilotic peoples were referred to as burnt as well. These ancestors of Abraham 
were Kushites, and their skin color ranged from black to reddish brown. Abraham and the establishment of the Hebrew people are key to understanding what I call the black biblical destiny. It should be noted Abraham was from the line of Shem, but again, Shem and Ham mixed interchangeably. The Hebrews made their first appearance in history as nomads. Abraham crossed the Jordan River every Friday night to preach monotheism to the people of Canaan. Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Ahad. This was the exaltation of the supreme over all other gods. And to begin the proclamation, the theme was Shema Israel. Hear, O Israel, Elohim, our Yah, is one. Elohim is one. Abraham proclaimed visions from Yah. It is written in the sacred Torah. After several trips across the Jordan River into Canaan, now known as Israel, the people began to call Abraham and his followers and relatives Habaru. This meant people from across the river. It should be noted that um, one of the most correct or oldest ways to pronounce what we call Hebrew is Eve, which there are still many tribes in West Africa who go by that name, showing that they are indeed the people of the book. The primitive Chaldeans and Babylonians were known to the Greeks by the names of Chaldeans and Kessenes. The Kessenes were synonymous with Ethiopians. They were descended from King Kephas. In Genesis 11:31, we read that Abraham is from Ur of Chaldees. Chaldees was also known as the land of Shumer, or Shinar, in our scriptures today. And this area is now known as Iraq and Iran, though it should be noted that new history and geography is coming out to show that the Holy Land and many of the biblical lands are more so in Africa than further thought. The whole term Middle East is a very modern term. And so the research is changing and evolving every day as we grow into more truth. However, it should be noted that the people who reside there, who reside in many of the biblical lands today, might not be exactly like the people who resided there in antiquity due to migrations, invasions, and the mixing of different groups. The land of Shinar or Sumer is the place where Yah confused the languages of the people. And the place was, as a result, called Babel. Shinar was a kingdom founded by Nimrod, Cush's son. R.K. Harrison in, Old, in the Old Testament Times writes, About 4,000 B.C., a people of superior intellectual caliber, known as Sumerians, occupied Sumer. They were swarthy black. The original peoples in these geographical locations were black. The Chaldeans or the Neo-Babylonians lived many years after Abraham's time. Even though Abraham is said to have come from Ur of the Chaldees, this reference is to indicate that he came from the same region, although Chaldee was later renamed. The Kephines were synonymous with Ethiopians and were descended from King Kephas. The Senegalese historian Czech Antidiop states of the Chaldeans, the ancients remained silent about the alleged Mesopotamian culture prior to the Chaldeans. They considered the latter a caste of Egyptian astronomer priests, that is to say Negroes. Taking a further look into the background of Abraham and his people, we find undeniable proof of their blackness. 
In Genesis 10, Nimrod, son of Cush, whose name means black, founded a civilization in Mesopotamia. In Genesis 11, Abraham was listed as being from Ur of Chaldea, a land whose earliest inhabitants included blacks. Genesis tells how Abraham's experiences in Cana in Egypt brought him and his family into areas inhabited by people who were very likely black. Both archaeological evidence in the account in 1 Chronicles 4 tells us that the descendants of Ham inhabited the land of Canaan. In continuing the journey of uncovering what I call the black biblical destiny, we see the descendants of Ham and Shem intermarried, lived among one another, and shared a great deal of their cultural practices. And this continues to today, which is why some mix Shemites or Hebrews up for Hamites and vice versa. I'm repeating where Abraham was born and the research that shows what color the people in Abraham's land would have been because we've been sold a falsehood that Abraham would have been considered white today when he would have been considered black. And so sometimes we have to hear research from various sources over and over again to break the spell that has been put on us by false teaching. Now that we have uncovered the lineage of Abraham, we can delve into his testimony, which is my favorite part of Abraham and what he represents. The Apostle Paul talks about Abraham being justified by faith in Romans chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. And indeed, it was his act of faith that makes him the father of three major people groups. Abraham was born to his father Terah, a descendant of Shem. And we should remember Abraham gave birth to Hebrews, which many people now um, wrongly refer to as Jews, that they were Hebrews, Ismaelites, which many are now Muslims. And also some people count Abraham as the father of Christians because Christianity did come from many Hebrew beliefs. It should also be noted that Moses' wife, Zipporah, was from the people of Midian. And Midian came from Abraham and his second wife, Keturah, after Sarah died. Terah and many of his ancestors were polytheistic. Terah was Abraham's father. Terah had three sons, Abram, better known by his later name, Abraham, Haran, and Nahor II. His daughter Sarai, by a second wife, was also his daughter-in-law, wife of Abram. Ur of Chaldees was a metropolitan city for its time, and according to Jewish legend, in this city, Terah sold idols. This business allowed the family to accumulate wealth. Some may wonder, why do Abraham and Sarah have to leave and go to a new land? What I have found is sometimes when the Most High wants to work in your life, he has to separate you even from the community you are familiar with and from those you love. Many of us are afraid to leave all we have known, even if what we currently know is harming us. The mundane of what we know may hold us back from the miraculous we do not know. Looking at the scripture text, we see it may have been Terah who was first given the command to leave Ur of Chaldees. Terah took his son Abraham, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of Chaldees to go to Canaan. 
But when they came to Haran, they settled there. When they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. This can be found in Genesis chapter 11, verses 31 to 32. Terah died in Haran. Yah said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as Yahweh had told him. Terah was on his way to Canaan which would later be renamed Israel. But for some reason when they came to Haran they settled there. Terah died in Haran on his way to his destiny. Sometimes when we are being led to move forward, we can settle and even die before reaching our destiny. When we read about Abraham later, well, when we read about Abram, who would later be renamed Abraham, we see someone who didn't just start what he was told to do, but we see someone who completed what Yahweh told him to do. Maybe Terah didn't complete the journey to Canaan because he never fully let go of his idol-making business. Idolatry hinders us from completing our divine destiny and we end up settling in our sin, which can lead us to die in it. On the other hand, though he was imperfect, we see Abraham stepping out on faith and obtaining the promise of becoming a great nation and having wealth not tied to his family's idol-making business. Due to Abraham and Sarah's faith, their family was turned around from one of idol-worshipping to one who served the one True L. Due to this act of faith, Abraham becomes known as the first Hebrew and the father of not only Hebrews, but the father of Ishmaelites and Midianites as well. So let's look at what the word Hebrew means. In Aramaic, the word Ebri, which comes from the root word Abar, means to cross over, to pass over in the Aramaic Hebrew language. In Asherik, Syriac, in Arabic, the word Abiri or Ebri means the one who traverses, and Ebra meaning to traverse, to expound, traversing. The name Eber also Eber, Iber, or Heber means the region beyond. From this you get the derivative of Eber, Hebrew, to mean one who crossed from beyond one region to another, or simply to cross over. And the reference to that can be found in Genesis chapter 14, verse 13. Hebrew means to cross over, or Eve means to cross over. Literally, Abraham crossed the Euphrates River. Spiritually, Abraham crossed from a family tradition of idolatry to a family tradition of faith. So the Hebrew people are known for crossing many rivers, from idolatry to faith, from slavery to freedom, from trickery to overcoming, and from oppression to justice. The Hebrew people were born through a courageous act of crossing over, and though most of what we learn today focuses on the physicality of the biblical Hebrew people because it's been so whitewashed. It should be noted the faithful crossing over of Abraham. Because those of any background can cross over from idolatry to faith and from separation to connection with the creator of the universe through a personal relationship of faith. In my own life, I've taken my own journey to cross over from death to life from idolatry to faith, from shame to 
security. Like Abraham, I did not come from parents who lived by biblical faith. My mother was the first black atheist I ever met, and my father was a member of, of an offshoot of the nation of Islam, the five percenter nation or the nation of gods and earth. My parents separated shortly after I was born, so I wasn't raised in my father's faith. In fact, I didn't even know about his faith or his organizing in Brooklyn and Harlem until 2013. He never pushed his beliefs on his children. When I was seven years old, my stepfather lost his job and my family lost our house in Queens. And we became homeless, first living in hotels and then going into the shelter system like so many families in the 1980s. During that period of homelessness, my little brother and I were taken from my mother and stepfather and placed in the foster care system, first living with families in the Bronx and eventually being taken into kinship foster care with my maternal grandmother and an aunt in East New York, Brooklyn, the neighborhood I was born in. My maternal grandmother, Freddie Mae, grew up going to church in the woods of North Carolina with my great-grandfather, but my maternal great-grandmother did not attend church. When my grandmother and grandfather Albert migrated to New York City from North Carolina, eloping along the way, they, they attended a Baptist church in Brooklyn. However, by the time I was living with my grandmother, that entire side of my family had stopped attending church. My grandmother listened to gospel music and prayed, but she didn't push faith on me. My paternal great-grandmother was a faithful Christian woman who stopped going to church decades before I was born, though she never ended her relationship with the Most High. I still remember her faith to this day. Maybe she prayed for me, and I didn't know it. I think some of my family members believed in the Most High, but since something was off with the institutional churches in their community. I only knew of church from lessons on the civil rights movement in school and from the one christening and Bible study I attended with my Aunt Debbie. At age 10... Led by the Ruach HaKodesh, more commonly known as the Holy Spirit, I picked up one of my grandmother's King James Bibles, turned to Psalms, and started reading and praying morning, noon, and night. I was an early and ferocious reader, sometimes grabbing adult books because I love reading so much. For four years, I prayed and read the Bible at home to the astonishment of my family. I heard adults talking about, quote-unquote, getting saved, and for some reason I made a goal to get saved at 28 years old, which at the time seemed old to me. At 14 years old, my Aunt Frida looked at me and said, someone should take this girl to church. Being an independent child, I took myself knowing somehow that my family was Baptist. I walked into a local Baptist church and sat in the back. When the pastor did the altar call, I didn't want to go forward, but I felt compelled to walk up and accept Yeshua as my Redeemer with tears streaming down my eyes. After praying sincerely for him to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins, I felt like I had a new slate. I went home elated, telling my grandmother I was saved. That Tuesday I was baptized, and my atheist mother, who was allowed to visit me, though I was in kinship foster care, came to my baptism and gave me a woman's study Bible in an Oxford annotated Bible dictionary. Maybe she, with the discerning eye only a mother has, saw the Bible nerd I will become. Today, as I look back on my powerful conversion experience, I now know my soul wasn't just redeemed from an afterlife of hell, but that my very spirit, soul, and body was redeemed from the hell I was living in as a young Hebrew woman who, by seven years old, had faced homelessness and foster care. Though 
I would later come into my Hebrew identity and leave the institutional church. I can still identify with Abraham because like him, I made a decision to cross over and accept a new way of life that my parents didn't practice. I was also crossing over from death to life, from shame to dignity, and from ignorance of who I was to an identity firmly rooted in Yah. I would later find out that though my immediate family wasn't always active participants in the institutional church, I indeed came from a very long line of believers who had crossed over deserts and seas, sometimes of their own free will and sometimes by the will of others. Yah was with me even before I walked into that Baptist church. Though I am very grateful they welcomed me as a kid off the street, I would later learn it was prophesied by the Hebrew prophets that lost sheep, just like me, would wake up to learn their Hebrew identity while living in oppressive circumstances in a land very far from their ancestral home. It is my prayer that regardless of who you are, that you too will cross over from death to life through a personal relationship with Yah, through Yahshua. Like Abraham, sometimes to divinely cross over, all you need to do is take the first step. Y'all help us all to leave the societal and family traditions of idolatry we have inherited by developing a personal relationship through your son, Yahshua. If you don't have a personal relationship with Yah through Yahshua, you can pray wherever you are to ask for one. Here is a prayer you can say, but make sure whatever you say is sincere and from your heart. Yah, I confess to you that I am a sinner in need of your grace. Please forgive me and my ancestors of our sins and bring me into a personal relationship with you through your Messiah, Yahshua. I repent of my sins now and ask for you to come into my heart. Please show me my identity in you and give me a new life. In Yahshua's name I pray. So be it. Rebirth Radio is a project of Hebrew Nation Building, a ministry to awaken, restore, and prepare Yah's people. To learn more, visit rebirthofanation.info. To learn more about Prophetic Worldwind, uncovering the black biblical destiny, visit propheticworldwind.com. And remember, if it ain't practical, it probably ain't Torah. Shalom.